Hi, I'm Denise Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dementias. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frequently frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Monica. Hi, Denise. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you always. Well, today we want to talk about um, communication. Okay, communicating, being in the moment. What else would you like to know? What I'd like to say is that um, after many years of trying to uh, understand the situation um, with my father and now my mother, um, trying to have conversations and trying to get them to understand my point of view, I obviously have learned that it is not about me. It's about them. It's never them. about you. You're right. It is never about me. It is never about us as caregivers. No. It's always about the people we're caring for. And we have to learn to be in the moment with them and let them express their feelings the way that they can. So I had to learn to, um, I'll take my mother as an example, I was always trying to understand what she was trying to tell me and and really not making sense of a lot of things she was saying until I finally got to the point, um, just let her say what she wants to say. One of her little idiosyncrasies was everywhere we would go, she would say, you know, I just saw that person yesterday. And I would have to try to, in my way, explain to her, well, mom, we weren't here yesterday. And that used to not aggravate me, but I never could understand why she kept saying that. So finally, I had to let it go. And, and you know, I think that that's probably a good thing to do, let it go, simply because the reality of a person living with dementia isn't at all like what you and I might think. So our new reality is to go there with them. So what do I mean, go there with them? Okay, for example, you said your mother said something about, well, I saw them yesterday, and you're going back to the trouble of trying to explain, no, we weren't there. Right. What I try to tell family caregivers is, don't correct them. You're not right. They are right in their reality, and no matter what you say, you're not going to be right. So the easier thing is to go there with them, and if she says she saw them yesterday, really? And what did you think about her yesterday? And your mother will have probably just forgotten what she just said. And you'll frustrate yourself by trying to make them rational, reasonable beings. You said something very key. You will frustrate yourself. And yes. that's why you hear this all the time, that caregivers... Um, quite often their health will fail, their peace of mind will fail because they are 
exerting so much energy, whether it's physically or mentally, to care for this person with dementia. So that's great advice. You just have to let it go and mm-hmm. go with what they're thinking. It took a while for me to do that. And and I I, I, I like to say it's, it's, it's a new way of communicating. So what is a good way to communicate with somebody who has dementia? What is a good way to communicate with somebody who doesn't process information the way you do? So start basics, okay? Now this morning or just a few minutes ago, we greeted one another. Right. Okay, I'm looking at you today uh, across from me. And so when you're communicating with somebody who has dementia, call their name. Look straight at them. Hold their hand. Say, hello, Denise, and smile when you say it so they begin to think of you as a friendly person. So speak to them, address them personally so that they can be comfortable with you, and then you listen to them. And some of their discussion is not going to be understandable to you. It's not going to make sense to you. And your problem is you're going to try to make it make sense. That's what caregivers try to do. We but tr- you don't do that. Absolutely. You just sit there. You ne- you just need to be like tofu. You just soak it all up, <laughs> and you go with everything. Just be like a piece of tofu. I think Say, that's a yes. T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> just be, be like tofu. That's right. You just sit there and be like whatever it is they need in that moment. And if they're ranting and raving, you let them rant and rave, and you agree with them. And then maybe they will come around because you have – Pat them on the shoulder, tap them on the back, whatever, and let them know that you hear what they're saying. Even though it doesn't make sense to you, you need to be right where they are, even though you don't understand it. So first things first, when you want to talk to them, you try to address them by name. Because almost all people with dementia can recognize their own names. Mm -hmm. Hello. Oh, that's my sister over there. Oh, she looks nice today. You know, just keep, go go there with them. Mm-hmm. It'll be a whole lot less frustrating for you. Um, other things that you might consider doing, you, you wanted to make sense out of what they're saying or correct them. I tell all my caregivers, don't correct them. Don't try to correct them. Just go wherever it is they're going. As long as they're not hurting themselves, it doesn't hurt you. And also caregivers... That will make your life so much easier because you've heard of the saying, just let go, just let go. Because I find myself so much more at peace now because when my mother goes off on these, you know, wherever she goes with her conversations, just let her go with it. If she says the sky is green, the sky is green today. Um, It will it will give you so much frustration and angst if you try to tell them that it's not. So just let them go with it. The other thing that's important um, about what you're saying there is that you can actually spend a little bit more peaceful time with them. That's true. You can just be in the moment. Yeah, be in the moment. But the most important thing is don't try to make sense out of what they're saying don't correct them even though it doesn't what they're saying is not logical and makes no sense to you whatsoever just don't try to make it be logical they don't what you have to realize and appreciate is their reality and their processes 
and their abilities to process information are so much different from ours. And a lot of the reason that they developed over time is something they no longer possess. So don't be trying to correct them. That's right. Don't try to correct them. So they just, when you say the way they process things is different from us. So like you said, grabbing their hand, looking them in the eye, that's soothing to them. It's soothing. It's reassuring. It lets them know that you are paying attention to them. Now, some people with uh, living with dementia, while they have problems with how they process information, they may also have hearing problems and vision problems. So that little personal touch or holding of the hand or patting on the back or making sure that you make eye contact with them so that they know that you are looking at them and that you are focusing on them helps them communicate with you a little bit better. That may soften their mood and it may help them to become more agreeable, more amenable to things? Well, yeah, because then they think that you are actually listening to them. Um, in one and two person conversations, like you and you, you and you and I, you and your mother, you would want to minimize any distractions in the room if you're trying to have a meaningful discussion with her. So you might want to turn the television off. You might want to turn the radio off. If you're going to talk to her, don't multitask. If you want her to pay attention to you, don't multitask. You know, that is perfect because I'm beginning to notice now with my mother, and some of you may be experiencing this with your loved one, um, and follow me here, their appetite tends to not be um, as aggressive as it used to be, and they don't eat as much. And the reason I'm saying this is because you said no distractions. I find that now when I sit down and make a meal for my mother, I have to limit the distractions because she uses everything else in the room as a reason not to eat. Exactly. So if you want her to eat, eat with her. Turn the radio off, turn the television off, and don't give her something else to focus on other than what's on her plate. If you're eating, and this is another little strategy for dealing with persons living with dementia, and even if they don't have dementia, People generally eat more when they're eating with other people. They're a little bit more social because they recognize what that activity is. But if you want her to eat more rather than less, now my own mother's issue is to clean up and pick up things off the table, off the floor. My mother does that too. What is that? I have now, let me just interject. I have now, I used to have place bats on the table and as we talked um, before my father was from Jamaica, so I had these Jamaica placemats. Now my mother has decided she wants to read every city in Jamaica because it's a map on the placemat. So before I sit her down to eat, I have to move the placemats. I used to have the blinds open so she could look outside at the beautiful nature, but now she sees reflections of cars, so she wants to get up and go look out the window, so she stops eating. So no distractions. No distractions, and on that note, when you talk about the placemat with all the things on it, keep in mind, as I said earlier, these people do have visual deficits and they have hearing deficits. So what you think is a cute little design on that placemat, she may interpret as a bug. A big black spot may be a bug 
on her placemat and she may be trying to pick that bug off the placemat and that's going to keep her from eating so light plain colors you know <laughs> right. make sure that the she can differentiate the plate from the placemat and as you've pointed out and as you've learned you know you want to minimize distraction so you want her to eat more no television just you and her one-on-one and as far as her food is concerned you know more everybody's palates are different everybody's tastes are different but don't overwhelm them with food give them things that stand alone and set apart so that she can choose what she wants to eat if she can still use her utensils right right but but no distractions for eating and no distractions for communicating with them when you want to do something just one thing at a time and if your relative or your loved one is somebody who can follow some commands for example, we're going to get ready for bed, right? Getting ready for bed may mean that we go into the restroom, bathroom, we wash our face, brush our teeth. The way to do it is to walk them into the bathroom, sit them down, and do one thing at a time. You don't drop her off in the bathroom and say, Mama, go wash your face, brush your teeth, and put your pajamas on. Right. You go in there, we sit down, say, we're going to use the toilet. We use the toilet. We're going to wash our hands, and then we go through the motions of washing our hands and help her with that. We're going to wash our face, and we go through the motions of doing that. Then we might say, let's put on our pajamas. And then she will understand that because she, she'll you know process one thing at a time. But it's not like, come on, we're going up here, and we're going to go do this. Right. It's like we go upstairs. Mom, let's go upstairs. We go upstairs. Mom, let's go to the bathroom. Okay, we go to the bathroom. It's like you talked in the past. It's a regimen. It's a schedule. They are comfortable with that. A set a schedule, set a routine, a simple routine, and do it one step at a time, not multiple steps, not complex steps. And again, your focus should always be on that one person that you're caring for, not that person with dementia and the grandchild or the nephew or somebody downstairs. Let it be the one person that you're focusing on. You have on. to have that tunnel vision on that person. They are your priority. The glaucoma of caregiving. Hmm. Let me ask you this. Um, we are talking about communicating. How do you communicate when your loved one is combative? What do you do about that? Well, we have to try to figure out why they're combative. Some people become combative because something in their orbit isn't quite right. It may be that they are cold. It may be that they are in pain. Um, or even that they're hungry. Try to figure out what has contributed to the combativeness. Now, for example, you're not making infants out of these adults, but if somebody all of a sudden becomes irritable and disruptive, there's a reason for it. But because they lack the ability to communicate to you specifically what that is, they're acting a little differently. They're acting out. Oh, you said acting out. I said <laughs> acting differently. I can speak right. from experience. They're okay. acting out. So if they're acting out and um, you've eliminated hunger and pain and all of the above, and they're just having one of those moments where they um, are just not communicating in a nice way, 
I mean, how do you calm someone down? Leave them alone. Really? Um, you try to get them to a place where if they can't, if you can't figure out what is wrong, is and this usually happens when you're changing an environment or uh, getting ready to transition. You know, we see it a lot of, the word that comes to mind is something called sundowning. Mm -hmm. Some people late in the afternoon when the, you know, the sun starts to go down, start to act a little differently. What that means is that you may have to change whatever it is you're trying to do to a different time in the day. Mm -hmm. And if you know that at around four or five o'clock they start to get disruptive, then you need to figure out what you need to do in the daytime with them before that hour and get them home where they're going to be comfortable and secure so that they're not combative. So is it a good idea to, um, you said, you know, change maybe what you're about to do or uh, the change make make them a little combative if you can't change it if someone say for example works in the evening and they have to leave the home and they have to leave their person that they are caring for in the care of someone else who they brought in and you can't change your schedule you just sort of calm them down before you leave if you can are there well, ways to well, calm them down well now that's an interesting comment I find that a lot of people become irritable and maybe not cooperative when you change something. So if you are a working daughter, like both of us are, mm -hmm. and you have a set caregiver who comes to tend to your mother, mm -hmm. if that caregiver is not there and you bring another one in but haven't allowed your mother to get used to that person, she's going to be a little disruptive. She's not going to be particularly cooperative. Does that mean you don't go to work? No, you go to work, but that means that you're going to have to spend a little bit more time on the front end the next time you change. think about changing a caregiver or a routine that your mother has become accustomed to. That's true. That's great advice for me because before coming to talk with you today, I had the changing of the guards and my caregiver came and I had to leave as soon as she got there and mom was in one of her combative moods today. So it was probably because the changing of the guard was a little bit too abrupt. So yes, you, you have to gradually make mm -hmm. that change. So people who are listening, that's one way to, I guess, lessen the combativeness if your loved right. one is, is having that mood. It's change. You've disrupted their sense of comfort. Okay, you have to leave, so you leave. But in the meantime, you're leaving her with a stranger. Let's see it from her perspective. Right. You're leaving her with a stranger she doesn't know. So she's afraid now because she sees a stranger in her house. Right. And so she's going to be defensive and she's not going to be cooperative. And people who are listening, uh, Dr. Parker says stranger. And even though it's the same person that's there every day, every time they come through that door, it could be a stranger to them. It's a friend of mine calls it 51st dates because it's it like it's like they're meeting this person for the first time, even though they've been there. I had a caregiver with us for several years, and every day it was like my mother met her for the first time. Well, and the only way that's going to get better is if you keep reinforcing daily routines 
maintaining the same environment or people and personnel around her. If you've got a caregiver that she's comfortable with, keep that person in place. So that was some great advice. We learned a lot today. You told us that we need consistency. Um, When we're trying to communicate with our loved one, we need to, it's that sense of touch, look them in the eye, focus on them. It's the tunnel vision, as you say. So thank you. And we'll talk to you next time. Next time.